HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by the International Culinary Center, offering courses that range from classic French techniques in culinary, pastry, and bread baking to Italian studies to management, from culinary technology to food writing, from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit internationalculinarycenter.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load Knows that country music's gonna save your soul The devil runs his groove in them rhythm and blues That's him It's gonna get you some in the end Welcome back to the Speakeasy I'm your host, Damon Bolte, and in the studio today We have a good friend of mine who I haven't actually had on the show. This is the first time, so this is really cool. Uh, Good friend of mine, (laughs) Miss Frankie Marshall of the Dead Rabbit. As you know, what you know, what not just the Dead. I mean, like you're. I feel like you have clones like all over the world. (laughs) I've been around a little bit. First of all, let me say that I'm really excited to be here because I have been begging, begging you to be on the show for years now. So finally, yeah, this is great in the seat. Yeah, I'm super psyched. I know I got that mic hot right now. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's nice. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we finally made the time to do it. I know you work on Wednesdays. You're going to be going to work like immediately after this, so I'm really glad that we got the time to do it. Um, and speaking of, uh, you're going to be working at the Dead Rabbit tonight, which just celebrated its first anniversary, so congratulations on that. Thank you. I, you know, I just show up, really. It's I have <laughs> nothing to do with that. No, it's great. It's been really exciting being there. Actually, those guys are very forward thinking, as uh, as you know, and it's uh, it's it's a challenging job, I have to say. It's challenging, but it's really worth it. Yeah, uh, I mean, you you have a pretty intense menu, and like the bar setup is crazy. I mean, it's yeah, it's intense for you know two bars day, put together. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, I know it's uh, it's amazing. We have I've counted. I think we have close to. 90 bottles on the on the bar those are just cheater bottles you know and then just yeah the prep work that goes into it all the syrups and the tinctures and the infusions and uh you know uh, yeah and right now we're actually we just pared down the menu there used to be 82 on the old one now there's just 74 oh yeah so that's it's, crazy exactly, man. you it's, really it's a big drop <laughs> it's insane i mean it, it must be like autopilot for I you know. <laughs> 
you know what? It's it's really hard. That's my biggest weakness. I think trying to memorize all those recipes. It's uh, it's it's a challenge, and it's not like there are three drink. I mean, three ingredient recipes. Right. right. It's uh, a lot of them are like seven, eight, nine, ten. How do you do it? I mean, like, it's like I, I've never had more than like 20 drinks on my cocktail menu at any given time. And it's a lot easier for me because, like, most of those drinks are ones that, like, that I came up with. Right. So it's like, yeah. so I'm sure it's difficult for my staff, you know, the, the other bartenders yeah. to uh, get used to. It. But, like, I know that, like, typically they'll use, like, flashcards. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and that to me, like, that's extremely cute. <laughs> it doesn't bother you. No, I love it. I, oh, think, okay. I think it's great. Well, you know, while they're learning, like, you know, we always have the spec sheets and our, yeah. and our bar Bible and everything. That's yeah. so it's, and luckily, you know, you, you always have those laminated because yep. it's trial and error. Yeah. You're going to spill stuff all over it. Um, but, uh, how do you, do you, are there any like association that you use or do you just like, just, is it like a re- repetition? Yeah. It's part of it. Yeah. Definitely is that repetition, but I'll be honest with so many drinks, it's people, they really order a, v- across the menu so we as yet with this new one we haven't developed those 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 regular the big the biggest hits just yet sure so um but yeah we definitely have those laminates and i have my own little book that i keep in my pocket so i made sure to buy pants work pants that were large enough to actually with pockets large (laughs) enough to hold this book so i refer to that a lot and i'm not ashamed to well you know i mean i keep it low but i just you know it just it just has to happen especially at this point i mean the menu's only been like you said in effect since february 13th so Mm -hmm. um you know it hasn't really been that long so yeah I mean, yeah. like to me, it's like I have I have a couple of moleskins that yeah. I keep behind the bar. Yeah, but it's not just for like the 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 cocktails on my menu. Like, there's so many classics that you can't remember every one of my. Like, we're we're not all Nick Jarrett, you know. We right. can't just like <laughs> call out, you know. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, well, yeah. And the funny thing is, too, we have our own specs for classics there as well. So yeah, so I mean, I have to refer to those because you know we like to keep it uniform. So mm-hmm. you know, forget about the specs that I know about anything. So we're always referring back to our Bibles there. So yeah, yeah. Are, are do you guys? I think you guys kind of keep it on the drier side as far as the classics go, right? Like generally, yeah, yeah. I'd say Jack's palette is uh, definitely on the runs on the drier side. Um, it, it, yeah, in general. So, um, and a little higher on the alcohol content as well. I'd see, you know, although he kind of adjusted that for this menu now. So for, I think for the first menu, it was like, oh, let's go for it. Let's put, you know, <laughs> three and a half ounces in everything. Oh, but uh, yeah, so, <laughs> those are the good old days. But and now, I mean, it's a lot more, uh, you know, uh, sensible in a, in a certain yeah certain aspect. Yeah. So let's go back to Frankie Marshall. Where Yay. did where did you get into this whole world, and where did you cut your teeth? Like, what 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 brought you into it? Oh dear! Is it just <laughs> I love this. I love this side of yeah. the, uh, the story when well, people are on. You know, I'll be honest. I've been bartending for for years. I started, you know, in the way back in the teens. I mean, I started as a server. That classic, classic story. Mm-hmm. And then uh, working around town and all kinds of you know dive bars and hotel restaurants and whatnot. And then one day, I just started reading about this, you know, kind of slowly what was happening, and uh, always had a curiosity about it, you know. And uh, then I one day I just decided I want to learn more about what's going. I want to be challenged, and. Um, you know, so I tried to start working in cocktail bars. I was on Craigslist and I kept applying and no one would ever call me. You know, <laughs> I, and then finally, finally one day I saw, you know, an ad for Clover Club, literally on Craigslist. And I'd read about Julie somewhere. And then uh, I thought, this is it. And I, it was just one of those, you know, when your eyes pop out and it's like you zero in. It's like, all right, this, I have to get this job. Because it was in Brooklyn too. It was close by where I live. And then, yeah, I wrote this 
cover letter that re- was really, you know, specific. For, exactly. Yeah. You know, I talked about how I really uh, believed in using different types of ice. Meanwhile, I'd never used any other type of ice other than the chip <laughs> ice. But, you know, I made it all up. And she called me and now we had a great interview. And she said, well, I can't hire you as a bartender. But, you know, you can... I said, well, I'll bar back or I'll serve. What would you prefer? You know, I said, well, I think we'll put you on the floor. So, yeah, I started as a cocktail server there. And that was really my, you know, my entree into uh, the, the cocktail world. And I remember when you started there because I also live in that neighborhood. That's right. And uh, I didn't go in there. Clover Club's been open about as long as Prime Meats has. So, yeah, like, we've always, like, yeah. yeah. So, there's always been, like, kind of like a cool thing with, like, there's a synergy, I believe, yeah. you know, rather than a competition in the neighborhood with, like, places like Jake Walk. Absolutely. And clover and in primates, but uh, I know that like some of the bartenders who have worked at primates have gone to Jake Walk or yeah. Clover and like vice versa. It's kind of like a like a nice little community. Yeah, so, absolutely. And you know, like hanging out with Brad Farron and Bargate Harry, you know, right. post shift. <laughs> That happens. It does. Yeah. Or pre-shift, really. Well, yeah, I was gonna say, probably pre, and sometimes during. Yeah. Uh, we, I used to have a bar back at Clover. He'd go, uh, where did he, he used to like to boat for shots, you know, on his break and come back. We found this out after, of course. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I absolutely remember, you know, you'd come in a lot, you know, you and your bro with Dylan and, you know, I mean, you guys came in one night on your birthday. I remember that. Oh, your yeah. Birthdays. But. Um, I, I totally remember that. Yeah, right. <laughs> But yeah, you're always very supportive. Um, but yeah, for me, it was just a great... I didn't know what I didn't know in those days. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And there was so much to learn. And on that opening staff, you know, Gi- Giuseppe Gonzalez was the head bartender. Yeah. You said Brad was there. Nate, uh, Mrs. Kishtipples, I call her. Katie Stipe was just about <laughs> there. And uh, a few other people. And it was uh, it was an amazing time, you know? Um, and yeah. I learned a lot. Learned a great deal. And then, you know, especially with that kind of... Uh like, I remember you going, like, I remember when I first met you working there, and then, like, from that time, and then the first time that you got behind the bar there, like, I was like, you were telling me, like, dude, I'm starting a bartender. Right. I was like, <laughs> yeah, right. Because, you know, yeah. even though, like, Katie and, uh, wasn't Lynette working there for a second? No. You know, she was just, like, I've seen her there. Right. She was, yeah, she worked yeah. at Flatiron. Oh, that's what And then, yeah. Yeah, she started with Juliet Flatiron as a cocktail server and then moved on, of course. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, it, well, the cool thing about it is like, and one of the reasons I like Julie so much is like that she's really embraced like bringing the female side to the bar, which right. has been so male dominant forever. Yeah. And you know, kind of proving like even people like Ivy who works mm. for her as well, you yeah. know, starting speed speed rack and yeah. just like kicking ass on that front. Um, and now it's not even a thing. You know, it's like I mean, it's it's like the playing field is leveled, if not like more in favor i mean like i'd like to go to a bar where they're the whole bar is uh, females yeah well you know what i appreciate that and i've always hated that we had to have this discussion about you know female bartenders and male bartenders are hearing someone's like the best female bartender out there Mm -hmm. you know when there's it's just unfair you know because it's true we had to try prove ourselves so much more just to be kind of considered (laughs) kind of medium high whereas there's all these all these gents out there who were okay but they were it was okay yeah. for them to be just okay. You know what I mean? Whereas yeah. we had to be really good. Um, and still, that there's a little bit of that, too. You always want to uh, kind of prove to – not just 
to the male counterparts, but to everyone around you that you, you know, you're serious, especially in certain environments, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I appreciate that too. But I don't agree with this whole hire a woman just because she's a woman thing. Like, I really sure. believe that people, just whoever you are, you need to just prove yourself and whatever you're doing. Well, that's another thing. Going back to what I said at the top of the show mm-hmm. uh, about how you must have clones all over the world because I've seen you like you're you're one of the people that I see <laughs> the most, and like this is great. Uh, I see you at so like so many like like cocktail events and like like competition stuff yeah. and you want to be like you just kicking ass and like that's the cool thing about the competitions it's really like all right check this out it's not just about being a chick behind a bar it's like i can actually do this better than you you bunch of dicks <laughs> sometimes <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's true i mean i well first of all the cocktail i i love well i love traveling but i also love seeing what's you know going on mm-hmm. like how people are doing things in different places and why they're doing things the way they are you know that's for me is very important and i've learned again a lot doing that you know, and I went over in to London in 2011 and did that stage at Coldwork Row. Yeah. It was only for a week, but it was still it was made a huge impact on me. You know, um, and yeah, I mean, I just I love that festival circuit. You know, I've done it a couple of times now, so now yeah. I'm kind of, you know, oh, moving. I'd like to go to different festivals now. I still haven't mm-hmm. been to the Berlin Bar Convent. I'd love to check that one out, and uh, you know, London Cocktail Week maybe. But I mean, the ones in the U.S. are really important. And uh, so, yeah, for me, it's just it's just great to meet people and, and yeah. see what's happening and talk to them. And uh, yeah. yeah, I think I mean, it must have been crazy going to 69 Colbert Row because you got the whole lab upstairs. Yeah, it, it was. It was again, it's one of those things where I again, I, I just went in there kind of wide eyed. And, you know, I, I luckily I got to spend two days with that. Actually, with Tony C, he was in the lab for two days, and then his head bartender Stu Bale at the time was, uh, you know, the one who took me under his wing. Um, but it was just intensive because I'd never worked in that environment, which is why I wanted to be there. But at the same time, you know, they would say things like, "Put the hoochimaku in the bloody blood." We're like, "What's the bloody blood? I don't know what that is," you know. And I just have to kind of just do it, you know. It was it's it was almost it was almost like a high end like kitchen, you know, high end kitchen kind of thing where yeah. it's just everything. All kinds of ingredients that they get sourced from all over the world, just the best products. And now they've actually moved to, you know, I think it's if I'm get this correctly, it's a studio where part of the wall was recorded in London. So it's so they're no longer above the uh, of the bar. So right, I heard something about that. Yeah. So the, yeah. So they have a really like a full time person who works there, just doing experiments and whatnot. But at the time, it was literally right above. You know, it was it was a staff room, office, lockers, all that stuff. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Like, what kind of things did you take away from, like, being around the lab? I mean, like, I feel like you and I kind of, like, kind of focus on almost, like, modern classic. Mm -hmm. You know, like, we're we're pretty steeped in, like, the classic, like, just really solid cocktails. But then using, like, one or two slightly oddball ingredients to just, like, elevate the, like, the impression of that drink. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, But as far as, like, techniques, Mm -hmm. as far as, like, those lab techniques, like, I don't have a centrifuge or a rotovap or any of that stuff. Um, But I, I, you know, sometimes you can pull inspiration from some of them. Did you take anything from any of those techniques? Yeah, some of, well, the end result was interesting there because when you looked at that menu that they had, maybe there's maybe 10 drinks. And when you saw the drink in front of you, if you didn't know anything about Tony C or Colbert Row, you think, well, what's the big deal with this? But, you know, when you saw what actually went into making of that drink or what, you know, they had a drink called, uh, you know, a dry martini, which actually had, um, no, let me not use that as an example. They had a Bloody Mary, you know, which had like a black pepper essence. Like they distilled down their uh, their 
the horseradish and they distilled down the vodka. So everything just became like um, like one thing that they were pouring basically out of a bottle kind of, you know. And nice. this was all, yeah, kind of done up above. But it didn't seem – and it tasted incredible. But, you know, you would not have necessarily thought about, like, what's going into this drink? So they just made – everything was happened upstairs. And then what came downstairs was an easy preparation for bartenders and for guests to understand. You know, and so that I think was the one a key that I realized it doesn't have to be this big production in front of people. You know, as long as the end result is incredible, sure. um, and just his f- like flavor combinations that he wouldn't have thought of. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, at the time, I guess it was this was 2011. So, and these are things that he'd had in works in the works for a couple of years before that. You know, so uh, what was he? He was doing like poppy seeds and sweet vermouth and his sesame seeds. He was doing a lot of seeds and vermouth at that time. You know, and things with mushrooms, like trying to get like the essence of the forest kind of thing. Yeah. So things I hadn't really some real hippie shit. Yeah, he's but, been you hanging know, out with Nick Stranger right? too long. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Who's another you know yeah. genius? Um, so yeah, just different ways of thinking of combinations. You know, and again, it doesn't. At the end of the day, it doesn't have to be a big production. And the, the way that their team worked, they all worked as a team. Which you know, I mean, if a drink was sitting there and, and the cocktail server wasn't available, the bartender would just take the drink out. And you know very well that doesn't tend to happen in New York a yeah. lot. The bartender's like, "Whoop, you know, so I'm stuck back here." Exactly. A, I've got a, You can't see it, but there's a chain around my right. ankle. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, and they all they worked out of one well, which is again another thing. You know, people here are very like. You know, stay yeah. away from it, very territorial. So right. it was just very much a team effort just to get the drinks out and to, like give a really great guest experience. That's cool. That's you know, cool. yeah, it's and it, they were, everyone was humble as as well. That's great. Yeah, like, so yeah, that's something we don't get too much these days either. <laughs> absolutely, you know. But, so, but uh, well, we're we're about halfway through your show. Let's take a quick break, okay? And then uh, when we get back, we'll continue talking with Miss Frankie Marshall, yes, sir. Back in a moment. Today's music is Wilderness Tips by Cookies on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. National Culinary Center is a proud sponsor of the HeritageRadioNetwork.org. The ICC, with locations in New York and California, provide cutting-edge education to future chefs, restaurateurs, and wine professionals. We're proud to claim Dan Barber, Bobby Flay, and David Chang among our honored alumni. This is Dorothy Can Hamilton from Chef Story. Check out our ICC website at InternationalCulinaryCenter.com. And we are back. You're listening to the Speakeasy, and we have Miss Frankie Marshall in hey. the studio. And we were just talking about how uh, she's uh, the most globe-trotting bartender <laughs> I know. Uh, we were just uh, before the break. We were talking about your time uh, spent at 69 Col- Colbrook Row right. in London, mm-hmm. and uh, talking about the uh, flavor 
profiles and the combinations. Mm-hmm. I think that's like one of one of the things that really got me into this style of bartending in the first place was just thinking about different flavor profiles mm-hmm. and kind of obscure ingredients and not necessarily throwing everything in the kitchen sink into that cocktail and achieving a really nice unified flavor from, you know, not a thousand, you know, not just tons of ingredients. Right. I mean, like my, the example I, co- I commonly use is the, uh, the uh, QB cooler versus the Mai Tai. Mm-hmm. You know, the Mai Tai was a variation of the QB cooler, you know, but it took it down from nine ingredients to five ingredients. And, you know, and no one talks about the QB cooler. Right. Talk yeah. about the Mai Tai. Yeah. Well, I think that that's really important, and that's something that's hard for us to learn, especially when we first start out. If an if you work in say a restaurant or you have access to a kitchen where you have all these ingredients, it is it's very hard to kind of pull everything down to a more of a a basic, a ba- not a basic form, but just a form that's usable. You know, recipes that are actually feasible for service, and but still uh, getting a great flavor something that's really different you know i yeah. agree it's really easy to want to throw 10 ingredients in there and think that that's amazing yeah you know? and plus i mean like when you you got to think about the way that the drink warms up you know how yeah. it matures like you know that first sip is going to taste a lot different than the middle you know midway through and then the last sip yeah also it's like you know is this a drink that you could have a second one of? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah that's yeah. that's one of the big questions i always ask myself when i'm developing cocktails mm-hmm, you know because mm-hmm. i want you know, there's a selfishness when you're on a menu with a bunch of other bartenders, yeah. and you're you have, you all have drinks on there, but you want yours to like continually yeah. get ordered. You of know, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's a it's a good kind of selfishness, though. You know, it's like it's a challenge. It's a a challenge and reward system for yourself. You yeah, know? lets yeah, you yeah. know that you did a good job on creating something. Right, and quite frankly, what what in my experience, it's often the simpler drinks that do oh, yeah. get ordered. Right, that do get ordered a lot more. You know, because. A lot of times people are like, you know, the whole, is it good? You know, I don't understand. I don't know if that that's going to work. Again, depending on where you're working, right? Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that, that's one thing we really have to keep, you know, be conscious of, you know. And I know, again, I was going to say further the Colbrook thing. I spent some time in, hanging out in bars in London, you know, and just seeing how they were working over there. And that was really, really cool as well. Because they were doing some interesting stuff, you know, really... You know, going to places like uh, I went to like Kalua Kale or uh, um, what's the other one? The Whistling. It was called Pearl, actually. They went on to the Whistling Stop after that, um, and bars like that where they were doing some really cool stuff. But again, not necessarily ten ingredient drinks, but just really well chosen ingredients with really interesting presentations that we actually don't, we can't get into as much over here because we're all about bottom lines, you know, and money and how much does the glassware cost? And yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's huge. It's yeah. huge, and it. And also, we deal with a lot of so much breakage and theft. Yeah. Once you yeah. start putting anything in a cool glass, <laughs> yeah, all you, you start worrying about breakage. Start yeah. worrying about theft. I have these like these uh, brass grog mugs, and mm. I found like a ton of them, and I got a really good deal on them yeah. at an antique store. And they were like new old stock. They were still in boxes wrapped in like paper from mm. like the 1950s or 60s, yeah. and I got like 40 of them. And they're silver lined, too. Oh. Um, or stainless. They're stainless. Yeah. They're not silver lined. That'd be crazy. Um, I mean, you never know. Oh, well, maybe. Prime yeah. meats, after all. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, come on. We are, we're super high class. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so I got them, and like they, 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 they like tarnish really well. They start looking really cool and like uh, antiqued. And, uh, you know, the good thing, one of those things that we worry about, I don't have to worry about. 
you know, I don't have to worry about breakage with those because they're metal. But how many do you have left? Yeah, I know. I have like half of what I originally had left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, just thing like, you know, Cocktail Kingdom repopping the the Moscow Mule mugs Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, and doing like Leopold, the really nice thin stemware. Yeah. uh, Tiki mugs. People like to to steal shit from bars. Anything. Anything. You know, it's incredible. I mean, uh, menus. Oh, well, Death and Company had for a long time. They had a surcharge on your bill that would just show up when they went back to the table and the menu was missing. Yeah. I mean, like 75 bucks. Yeah. That actually happens at Dead Rabbit a lot. I'm I'm pretty vigilant about that, but it's it's very hard, you know, because people always say, you know, can we just hold on to this? Of course. And I had this woman actually the other day who got up to day. I mean, for some reason, we don't allow dancing upstairs, but, you know, it was late night. She got up. And we turned around, and she actually had the menu tucked in the back of her pants. Oh and God. then we all saw. And then, so, you know, we a conversation had to ensue. Oh, my God. But, yeah. I, I don't expect you to tell me how the conversation well, went, but we'll talk about that after yeah. the show. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, they're expensive at the end of the day, you know? Well, especially your menu at Death and Company. It's crazy. It's Dead Rabbit, please, Dead Rabbit. Or, sorry, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I say yeah, Dead Rabbit, sorry. <laughs> I was thinking I they're said both that expensive. They are. I mean, yeah, and that's yeah. you know, it, to me, it's a really cool thing in general about a lot of bars nowadays. Like, I I look at my like, you know, like Xeroxed menu, and then like I put it next to other people's. I put it next to the Dead Rabbit menu, and I'm just like, oh my god. Well, you know, I mean, again, different styles. It depends. You know, yeah. different needs. It's uh, those guys wanted to go for that. They wanted that book. Yeah. They wanted the you know the graphic novel theme for this one, and. Uh, so. And it's, it's a legacy piece, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's also, there's like, what I have to deal with my menus. Every time I go to the bar and like I'm organizing all my menus, like we've got 500 different menus for like different foods and drinks and wine yeah. lists and all that stuff. And like they are printed on, you know, like kind of a heavier card stock. Um, but, you know, my bar is kind of shallow. There's cheater bottles all over it. People yeah. people get rowdy at my bar. Yeah. And so, like, they just spill all yeah. over it. And then I end up throwing most of them away anyway. Yeah, so, yeah so I know. Scenes. It's classic. I, yeah. I, that, that's a hard thing to solve, the whole the mm-hmm. menu issue, you know? But I think I think what's really cool about yours is, like, that you do run an, you run that menu for a year. Yeah. So, you know what? Putting a little bit more uh, money into it is not a bad idea at all, especially because... I mean, it's yeah. the coolest looking menu. It it look it looks pretty good. It looks pretty good, and I'm actually really excited because I actually have you know about five drinks on that new menu too. So I was like, yeah, you know, <laughs> thank God I got in there. Yeah, because the first menu was all jacked, which is understandable since he started developing this years ago but um but yeah there are some cool there are some cool looking menus out there i was in prague recently last november and there's a place called bugsy's bar and they have a really nice have do you know bugsy's no. it's one of the first cocktail bars in prague uh, nice. bugsy's and treaders and their menu is is really cool it's, it's, it's a black book and it has some you know uh, graphic novel em- elements to it as well and uh that one looks pretty good so cool yeah i think uh I think like there's a. I, I just recently went to Tooker Alley, yeah. Del Pedro's place, yeah, and I really like his because it's it's actually kind of punk rock. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in a binder, just like a regular binder that he like stamped with his uh, the Tooker Alley mm-hmm. uh, logo, yeah, which I think looks completely fine right, on the yep. outside. But then you open it up and it's almost like. Almost like some pages look like collage and like Xerox, like handwritten, right? You know, and it's uh, there's like some old anecdotes and stories about the uh, the Dill Pickle Club. Yes, and, yeah, you know, I've seen work. that. Yeah, and uh, it's just it's a cool book, and there's some certain like quotes, and then there like one of my favorite things about it, and this again going back to like you know very inventive like uh, menu design, he uh, 
he has some blank uh, comment pages in the back of the book, and yep. it says basically it's like you know what, man, you you know we're we're not gonna check Yelp. We don't right. care. Yeah. So anything you say bad about us, if you're trying to get under our skin, right. it's like it's gonna go lost there. So you know what? Just write it in this book. <laughs> That's smart. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. So yeah. and all these people, they don't really. There's never anything like necessarily bad. Or yeah. like I think one time, I, I one of the pages I saw because then I started picking up every menu right, and just reading to see it. What was you in know? There, yeah. But uh, one of them was like, uh, the "Bathroom's out of toilet paper." Right. I think that's about <laughs> as bad as it got as far as comments. <laughs> right, right. And then you know someone drew a dick on something. You know, a but dick. Yeah. Well, yeah. actually, I'm going to try that now. I'm just going to go up to people and say, you know what? We're not going to be reading Yelp. So if you have any problems, just just talk to me. You know, let's can we work yeah, through this? Let's work this out. Yeah, you don't need to go on. And if we can't, you know what? I don't yeah. want you back. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I've had to go there. But okay. Speaking of, I mean, like, uh, do you do you ever read Yelp reviews of the places the you the places you worked at? You know, or, and do work at? Yeah, I do. I do yeah? on occasion. Yeah. Um. Just you know, I yeah, I do. Is that is that wrong? I don't know. It's it's highly debatable. Yeah. I don't like. I know some people do, and some people are strongly against it. Yeah. I don't really so much. I mean, because I know I'm going to hear about it in the manager meeting every week. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll just let them filter through all that. I don't. I don't really have time for it. But it is a frustrating experience because a lot of people, you know, what people get like. You know, they're just they can be very unreasonable and just you know they just don't understand certain things. Like I remember when Clover first opened, and I was reading you know Yelp reviews about that. Someone said, "Oh, there's a doorman at the door, and it's really expensive for." Brooklyn, you know, go back to Manhattan kind of thing. Meanwhile, you know, it's now five years later and the cocktails are still maybe $13 an hour or something. I yeah. mean, they started at 11 and 12. That's not outrageous, you know. For yeah. an and there was no door. I mean, there was a guy checking IDs, but that's pretty strange. It's not like there was a door policy. Exactly. You know, but again, people didn't want, even want to investigate that. They were just automatically, you know, um, dismissing things. So... Yeah, it, it can be really frustrating, but I'll admit sometimes when someone you know mentions your name though for a good thing, then you're like, Personal, ah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, but that doesn't happen too often. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's usually the other way around. Exactly, that <laughs> asshole. Um, yeah, and I'm pretty identifiable at the places I work, so you know, <laughs> it's not hard to point yeah. a finger. I think we yeah. both are. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> But uh, yeah, and you're like whatever. I don't care anymore about yeah. that stuff. Um, uh, I'm sure if I had a Yelp review for this radio show, it'd be all over the place too. <laughs> well, actually, maybe I'll start one. Oh my I, god, I, can't can you? I've been, <laughs> I've been meaning to you know start a Yelp account because uh, I have a lot of bad experiences when I go out actually, but I never I never really talk Yelp. I never Yelp about them. But I think I think I have given one bad Yelp review. Yeah, in like 20 good ones, but. That was like probably more than five years ago. Yeah. And then I was just like, well, you know, my 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 version of Yelp reviewing is just I just don't go to that place again if it sucked. Right. You know, right. I don't yeah. want to like get someone fired. Yeah. You know, because yeah. they had an off night, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's usually what what it is. Unless somebody's just like, if somebody's still working at a place and they're that big of an asshole, yeah. then they must be friends with the owner. Right. Yeah. Or like, probably the owner. Probably maybe. the owner. Yeah. But yeah, typically if you're that big of a dick, yeah, you're not there the next time. Like, you know, yeah, somebody comes by. Yeah. yeah. So there's that. Well, <laughs> that's, it's a funny thing. It's a funny thing, but. So do you like speaking of uh, trips? Do you have anything coming up? 
Well, funny you should ask. Because yeah. I do, actually. Well, I was just in Oaxaca in January mm-hmm. doing some mezcal research. Very serious business. Um, research. Research. Right? <laughs> research. But, yeah, I'm actually going to Cognac this Saturday. Oh, in a couple of days, yeah. So I'm um, doing this thing called the Cognac Educator Program. Mm-hmm. So it's run by the Cognac Bureau. They invite um, like 16 people a year to do it, two from the U.S. So it's... Uh, it, it's actually a course. It's not for fun. I have to go there and go to distilleries and learn things and then do a big presentation. And if I pass, I come back and I'll be a certified cognac educator. Nice. Um, yeah. So I'm um, looking forward to that. But it's a little daunting at the same time. You know, it's cognac. There's a lot of rules, lots to retain. But uh, yeah. And then Peru after that. Nice. I'm going, yeah, on a little distillery tour with a brand. So um looking forward to to checking that out. Yeah, you got to sleep in your suitcase one of these days. Well, you know, I mean, that's the one good, you know, that's the problem with being, a, you know, in your position. When you're in the lofty positions, you know, it's hard for you to get it away. You know I, what I mean? I, you got to keep I, your eye on the store. I don't think you know my position. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's something, no, but seriously, that's sometimes what's good about just. But maybe I'll see uh, Tales of the Cocktail or Portland Cocktail Week. Well. Like, when I can turn it into a work thing. Well, you somebody know. Somebody flies me out. I've seen it last year. I saw you at Portland last year. Didn't yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. that's right. Of course, we I was did. working. Oh, that's right. Yeah, when working. you did your great just yeah. like research. <laughs> that's right. The, the Cripple Creek, yeah, which was great. Was and tales, fun and weird. Well, yeah. yeah, you should. You got to bring that back to tales yeah. this year. We'll you see. Know. Might happen. Yeah. It's probably going to happen. Yeah. Why shouldn't it? I I don't know. I can't see any reason why not. Well, neither can I. Damn it. <laughs> but yeah, so definitely tales and uh, you know. So we'll see. But going to Nashville, let's. Maybe get something going. Let's go international. Let's do, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Forget about these American people. Let's go to Scotland soon. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll talk about that after yeah, the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> Frankie, it's been so awesome having you on the show today, and I can't wait to have you back. Oh, listen, Mr. Bolte. Honestly, thank you very much. I've enjoyed my time thoroughly, even though it's taken I'm gonna say, 10 years. But still, <laughs> I'm not bitter. Oh, come on. No, I'm kidding. I love it. Love it. Thank you so awesome. much. It was an honor to be here. My my pleasure, my pleasure. All right, that's it for the Speakeasy this week. Tune in next week for more boozy business. Bye. Cheers. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.